Now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show is brought to you in part by Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Services, Modern Mortgage Group, and Lori Zorn, insurance manager for Island Savings. If you need an opinion from experts in insurance and mortgages, you can always contact Denise or Lori. They are great people to chat with. Uh, to find them, just visit the CFAX 1070 website and look under Shows. There you'll find us, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe, and there you'll find their contact information, or you can always find me online or on social media. Speaking of which, if you're thinking about buying or selling a home and you're looking for an experienced agent, I do that. That's my main job. CFAX and this show I love doing on a weekly basis, but I've been selling real estate for 26 years here in Greater Victoria. I have been a top agent with Remax Camosun, which is Victoria's most, producti- most productive real estate brokerage, and I've been there for many years, and I'd be happy to serve you as well, too. On our show today, we're talking about earthquakes and planning for such eventualities. We have in our studio from Total Prepare, Allison Stewart, and from QuakeSafe, Mike Ursel. Let's start our show with our weekly listener question. If you have a question or curiosity about real estate, call us on our hotline, which is 250-414-6540. That's 250-414-6540. Or find us online at cfax1070.com and I'll be happy to discuss it on the air. Just a reminder as well, if you are calling in and leaving a message, please be sure to leave your phone number and your name as well too in the event that I need to get back to you to uh, clarify certain things. Uh, I bumped into one of those situations just this week. I'd love to air your question, but I can't because I need more information. Anyways, please do so when you call in. Uh, I received this week a voicemail from Roger. Um, basically, Roger says he's been looking at condos, a whole bunch of condos. They're interested in many of them, and they've looked at their depreciation studies. And he wants to know how you can tell if it's a good building or a bad one. We've had conversations about depreciation reports on our show in past. We've had Russell Cass from Home Check. I'll talk about him in just a moment, uh, talk about why depreciation reports exist. For those of you who perhaps missed that show, it has been part of the provincial legislation that strata corporations need to have depreciation studies done on a regular basis on their properties. What a depreciation report is, basically, is an outline of all the major systems of a strata, like an apartment building, for instance. Things like the elevator, the air conditioning systems, the lighting systems, all of those things outlining what their lifespans are, uh, and also applying some math to determine how long the specific unit's lifespan will be in addition to how much the strata needs to save in order to make sure that when it does come time for that system to be replaced, the money will be in the bank. Because one of the things that owners are always afraid of is what happens if I buy a condo and the strata decides maybe next year that they're going to spend a million dollars doing the siding of the property or uh, $500,000 doing the elevator when the money isn't there. Well, that means, of course, it's special assessment time. So you need to write a, an ugly check, maybe 20000 or forty or $50,000 on something that you just moved into. It doesn't really seem all that fair. 
But that's what depreciation reports are. By the way, uh, even though the provincial government has mandated stratas have depreciation reports, one of the things that stratas can do is they can opt out of doing the depreciation report, which they have to do on an annual basis with a 70% vote uh, of the strata. We do see a fair number of stratas opting out. Uh, we had Chris Gill from the Condo Group on our show several months ago. Uh, I think his guesstimate was something around um, 15% of stratas don't have depreciation reports. It might be 15 or 20%. Uh, so they don't all have depreciation reports. By the way, just because a building doesn't have a depreciation report doesn't mean it's bad. Uh, for you as consumer, however, Roger, uh, it is helpful to have one because at least it's a snapshot of all of the things that you may uh, or will be concerned with when you buy. Now, how can you determine if it's a good one or bad one? That's another part of the conversation because what some people feel is just the presence of a depreciation report means that the building is good, and that is not necessarily true. Something that we as uh, real estate agents have noticed is there is a differing quality of depreciation reports out there, too. There's a number of engineering companies or companies that provide these reports, and they all do them differently. By the way, there isn't really a set standard, I understand, of depreciation reports. So as much as their content um, is somewhat fixed, uh, how they present it and how the report is written out is often very different as well, too. Now, we, real estate professionals, we are not engineers. Uh, we are also not financial experts because, as I mentioned, something else that the depreciation report has is the financial model, uh, and it is what they call the contingency reserve study. And that is where the uh, engineer or the writer of the report basically lays out how much money the strata needs to either save for replacement of those major items or going backwards, how much they need to increase the monthly strata fees in order to save up for that, that specific point in time. Uh, us realtors, we are not uh, financial experts. There are some maybe that came from accounting backgrounds or whatever, but uh, it is not our role to be able to determine whether or not a depreciation report is a good one or not. There's a few things you can do. First of all, there are building inspectors out there who are qualified. I will give a shout-out right now to Russell Cass. I mentioned him just a moment ago. Uh, he is a um, certified building inspector with HomeCheck. He also is a, um, uh, an expert in uh, reviewing and writing depreciation reports. So uh, for a fee, he can review for you uh, to give you an idea, uh, to give his opinion on the, uh, the status of that particular building. There are also other uh, companies out there in Victoria, I don't, unfortunately I don't have their names with me right now, but you can hire them to do a review of the depreciation report. There is a cost involved, uh, as there is with uh, Russell, by the way. Uh, I think you're talking somewhere around $400 for a review. These documents, by the way, these are 150 or 200 page documents with a lot of technical jargon, so it does require somebody who knows what they're doing. Uh, to, to review this, but there are companies out there and there are also law offices who provide the service of not only reading the, the depreciation reports, but also reviewing things like the strata, bylaws, financial statements, 
minutes of strata meetings or annual general meetings, special general meetings, all of those things just to get a sense of whether or not there are any issues that have happened or if there are any issues that may be coming in the upcoming future. Speaking of which, by the way, you are going to want to make sure that you have a good read-through of those strata minutes because sometimes you get a really good sense of what that strata is like. When you think about it as you're buying a strata, it's like another level of government. Uh, the strata has a strata president, a secretary, a treasurer, a vice president. They have rules and bylaws to adhere to. You're going to want to make sure that uh, it feels good and that you can fit in to this particular strata and always, always make sure you call either the strata president and or the property management company to uh, get a sense of what they're like and get a sense of what is upcoming in the building things that you don't want to be surprised about. Because the worst thing, Roger, is I wouldn't want you to move into a building and find out that you have a twenty, forty, dollars or $50,000 special assessment. Uh, it's the kind of news that you don't want to get. If you have a real estate question that you'd like answered on our show, please visit cfax1070.com. That's the website. There you'll find the whole home show with me, Tony Joe. Or you can call, call our hotline, which is 250-414-6540. That's 250-414-6540. If you are a podcast listener, you can hear our past shows. Um, you can download our podcast on either iTunes or Google Play. Uh, or again, just referring back to the CFAX 1070 website, our shows are streaming there for you as well, too. We have a great show today. Uh, we're going to be talking about things that I don't think we get a chance to talk about often, and I think it's important to talk about based on where we are geographically on the globe. We're talking about um, disaster preparedness. We're talking about uh, earthquakes and other things that will have a serious effect on not only you and your home, but this community in general as well, too. I'm excited here because I want to learn all about this. Uh, I often think that I'm not well enough prepared, but I think after our show today, uh, I hope to be so. We're going to take a quick little break here. When we come back, we'll be joined with Mike from QuakeSafe. Back in just a moment. You're listening to The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. West of Vancouver Island and extending from the north tip of the island to northern California, the oceanic Juan de Fuca plate is moving towards North America at about 2 to 5 centimeters a year. This region is called the Cascadia Subduction Zone, and it is something that is talked about quite often. Uh, I just got that excerpt from a website, uh, which is QuakeSafe. And here from QuakeSafe is Mike Ursel. Mike, thanks for coming. Uh, thanks for having me, Tony. appreciate being here. Now, this is an area, okay, first of all, almost everyone who lives in Victoria comes from somewhere else. Correct. Right. And Correct. one of the things and that people... so did I. And where did you come from? I came from uh, Winnipeg originally, but through Calgary. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so one of the things that people often bring up about moving to the West Coast specifically is concerns about earthquakes. Now, I'm guessing that is not as big an issue in Winnipeg, right? It is It is not an issue in Winnipeg at all. Fl okay. Floods may be an issue in Winnipeg. <laughs> okay. Mosquitoes may be an issue in Winnipeg. Definitely. But, but not uh, not earthquakes, no. So tell us about QuakeSafe. What is it that you guys do? Uh, well, QuakeSafe is a company that I formed. Um, we're coming up into our eighth year now. And uh, we do one thing. We, we upgrade 
uh, existing homes to better withstand the forces of earthquakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the, again, this is an area, my wife is from Regina via Calgary. And uh, we had a, a, a largest tremor, I think it was about two or three years ago. And ever since that day, it has spooked her. Now, I'm from here. I'm born and raised in Victoria. Right. I'm used to this. This is right. like an everyday occurrence. Um, this is something that I think we all know because of where we live. The prob- probability or possibility of a sizable quake at some point in the future exists. Uh, it, yeah, it, 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 it will happen. We don't know exactly when. We're overdue, uh, and, it, and it will happen. And um, it's funny that you, you bring up that your wife is not from here because, uh, as I mentioned, I'm not from here. And that was one of the very first questions I had when I, when I moved to Victoria was the very first people I met, I said, what's everybody doing about uh, earthquake preparedness? And uh, I got a lot of blank stares. Uh, you yeah. know, there was a lot of... Um, you know, we carry insurance for that or, or you know, it was just a risk we live with. Yes. And uh, uh, that percolated with me for a long time um, uh, until, uh, until I, I formed QuakeSafe about eight years ago to, to do something about it. Now, so give us an idea about how you fortify a, a structure. Uh, well, there, there's three or four main issues with uh, most homes built uh, in the local area. I'm talking about Victoria, Greater Vancouver. Um, the, one of the main issues is that prior to 1980, uh, the building code didn't recognize seismic risks at all. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the, the code did not take into, effect, into account that, that uh, seismic forces were a, were a possibility. So homes built before 1980 are almost never secured to their foundations at all. So the house, uh, if, you're, if you're living in a house that was built before 1980, it's sitting... Oh, and by the way, there's a lot because the building explosion here happened in the 1950s, right? There is tens and tens of thousands of homes built before 1980. Yes. I could upgrade a home every day for the rest of my career and not make a dent into the problem. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and that's not to say homes built after 1980 are all fine. They're not. But we're just talking about one of the, m- the primary issues... Uh, is that homes built before 1980 were not secured to the foundations, and that's a significant yeah, risk. Yeah, so just so as the, the listener kind of gets it, it's, it's, you know, we're familiar with the port foundation, and then they build the wood frame walls above the foundation, um, but the question is how the walls and the plates, the sill plates, are connected to the foundation, right? Exactly. They're not. Okay. Yes, the sill plate is sitting on the foundation, so the wood portion of your home is sitting on the concrete portion of your home with gravity. Uh, so basically, if you were a giant, you could reach over and just pick up the house and pluck it off. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in fact, uh, uh, that works most of the time. I mean, the, most of the time, gravity... The is, weight of the is, house. The weight of the house uh, uh, works, and, and we have no problem. Uh, the problem occurs in, in, a, uh, in an earthquake. Uh, your house is very heavy. Uh, so momentum will require the house to stay where it is, and the foundation actually moves out from underneath the house. Oh, and so that's where uh, that's where we have where we see houses extremely vulnerable. Um, and it doesn't have to move that much, you know, four, five inches, and the house can fall off the foundation, which is catastrophic. Yeah. So so houses built before 1980 
we always see this as a major issue and it's a very easy fix. It's something that our crew can go in and deal with over the course of one to two days. Um, yeah, so basically it's bolting, first of all, bolting the sill plates to the foundation, right? It, it usually involves bolting. Um, every house is built differently, so it depends on whether the, the house is on a, a slab or a crawl space. It depends on how high the crawl space is. Uh, with, with retrofits, uh, every home is a little bit unique, but uh, it does often involve bolting. Mm -hmm. If we can't bolt... Yeah, because sometimes the walls are finished and you can't get into the... the uh... Yeah, finished walls don't pose a problem for us. It's okay. What happens is, is when foundation heights um, don't allow for us to get our tools in there. So, so we have to go in with big, fairly heavy concrete drills and that sort of thing. So if the, if the space does not allow for us to get tools in there, they're all, there are alternatives that we can do uh, mm -hmm. with specialized hardware that will come in from the side of the foundation. Great. Um, so we've been talking about bolting the sill plate to the foundation. Um, what other uh, means or things can you do? Yeah. So uh, uh, the next thing is the homes tend to be vulnerable in their in their lowest level. So there's a force called uh, shear, a shear force, which is which basically means that that uh, um, on a beam the the force is acting in opposite directions on the beam. So uh, generally, crawl spaces and lowest levels are built with uh, studs. And studs uh, are very effective in what we call compression, or forces, downward forces. Mm -hmm. But they're not very good on shear forces, so sideways forces. Oh. So there's there's a way that we can strengthen those lowest levels by installing shear walls. And again, uh, shear walls uh, became part of the building code significantly after 1980. So so there's, there's, there's things that we can always do to generally make homes uh, safer yeah you know there's no question they they build homes very differently here in the west coast than i, mean, I spent a fair amount of time in the east for instance mm -hmm. uh i was in ottawa a couple of weeks back and you look at things built of stone or you know concrete yeah. uh, of course the weather is a plays a big factor there right yeah right. um but then again i don't think they have the same issues uh, or potential issues with uh, earthquakes that uh, that we do over here right no, they don't, and uh, it's a good thing we don't build with stone. Stone does generally does not uh, does not do well in earthquakes. Brick generally does not do well with yeah. earthquakes, but uh, wood frame houses, if they're in f if they're attached to the foundation, and they're reinforced in some key areas, do extremely well in in earthquakes. Yeah, actually, you you just uh, reminded me of something. I I'm I'm a big fan of MythBusters. I watch that all the time. It's not on the, on I the like air that anymore. Show too. Yeah, there was an episode where they actually built a uh, brick building and they put it on a platform and they simulated an earthquake and it was bad. Yeah, no, no, the bricks, uh, the mortar between the bricks liquefies and the bricks themselves seem to be fine, but they don't stay together. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, and yeah. they, they knock yeah. inward. So, Mike, if people need to reach you, how can they do yes. that? Uh, a couple ways. Uh, they can always reach me uh, uh, by email. My uh, my email address is mike at quakesafe.ca. That's quakesafe, all one word, dot .ca. Uh, they're welcome to visit our website, which is quakesafe.ca. And uh, by telephone, of course. Uh, 250-590-8544. Yeah, and I know that you guys are busy because I have been to houses where you have done your you have done your job, and it is an area that people are definitely concerned about because, you know, the, I think the big thing from folks that come from out of town are wondering, they, you know, they're thinking, are properties here earthquake-proof? And uh, that I understand there is no such thing as earthquake-proof, right? Correct. There is no such It's thing. just a matter of yes. in the event of an incident, are you going to be safe? 
Correct. And and have you done? Have you taken every reasonable step to make sure your home and your family is safe as possible? Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. where you guys step in. That's where we come in. Yeah. That, that's yeah. great. Mike Ursel from Quake Safe. If you have a house, as you said, built 1980 or or before, typically, uh, and you're and you're wondering about this, I would suggest that you get in touch with Mike because he can uh, do an assessment. You do assessments, right? We do assessments. Our, our assessments are free. Yes. Right. Uh, and oh, and one last thing: How yeah. long will a job t- typically take? You said that you can be in and out in a in a day or so, right? Yeah, um, most jobs take between one and three days. Sometimes yeah. as many as four, uh, but we're we're generally pretty quick. We're pretty efficient, um, and uh, well, that's important to know because I, I I think yeah. people want to make sure it's not a six month process. <laughs> you know, it's funny we 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 do fight that issue that people think it's going to be. Uh, more difficult and more invasive than it really is. Well, let's talk about that after the break. We're going to take a quick little break now. Back in just a moment. Now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for joining us again. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show is brought to you in part by Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Services Modern Mortgage Group, and Lori Zorn, insurance manager, for Island Savings. I'm flubbing a little bit because I had some dental work done this morning. So (laughs) as a reminder, when you get on the radio, it's good to have your dental work done a day or so before. Um, Our next guest is Allison Stewart with Total Prepare. Now, while she's never been a scout, she's always lived by the motto of be prepared. Whether it's a well-timed stash of Kleenex, a crucial granola bar, She's ready for any emergency, big or small. She used to be mocked by friends and family for always being prepared until being stranded for 12 hours on a remote stretch of road in sub-zero temperatures. No one was mocking then. Outside of everyday crisis, Allison is careful to keep enough food, water, and supplies for one month on hand for more serious disasters. And that's the reason why we have Allison on our show today. Allison, thanks for coming. Thanks for the invite. Uh, tell us about Total Prepare. Now, I've driven by your site. Yes, uh, as our I'm new sure, store. Yes, as I'm sure thousands of people do every day. Uh, tell our listeners where it is. We are by Elk Lake, right next to the Elk Lake Garden Center. Uh, we moved into that new space in October, and we're loving it. It's a great spot. And tell us about Total Prepare. What, um, what do you guys handle? Well, we really can handle uh, anyone from an individual to a company that wants to work on preparedness for any length of time. We have people coming to us for three days. We have people coming to us for a year. So uh, we can help anyone regardless of where they are sort of in their preparedness journey, so to speak. If they are knowledgeable and just need a little bit of help getting it to the next level, or if there's they have, we have people coming in saying, I have no idea what to do. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are people who have moved to the coast and are not uh, familiar with earthquake preparedness and a little overwhelmed with the concept. And they really need their hand held through the entire process, and we can do that for them. When people come in and already know what they want, they've done their research, and we have a lot of the, the gear that uh, we can put together for them. So the, the thing that comes to mind about being prepared is what happened recently in Puerto Rico mm-hmm. and how uh, the island was, um, well, it was devastated and people were without power and without clean water for days. Yeah. A- and um, this is a possibility. It could happen anywhere. It could happen here, right? Yeah, I think that was a real eye-opener for a lot of people to see that. It wasn't uh, on the other side of the world. You know, this was a place that a lot of people have visited. They knew people who were there. It comes a little bit closer to home. And you would expect uh, 
a, a large government like the United States to be able to have the resources to get in there mm -hmm. and fix a problem very quickly. And it really showed how the government depends on other companies that they have contracts with to provide supplies. But if there's something of a large scale nature, those contractors may not have enough things on It'll hand. They'll be scattered everywhere. They, don't, they just don't even have it. So we have mm -hmm. been a really low on a lot of emergency preparedness supplies since July, actually, when the forest fires took out MREs across Canada. Yes. We've not had MREs back in stock. We're hoping to get them back in stock this week, but they're already all pre-sold. Okay. So the, it's important for people to understand that they need to have their own supplies on hand in their home, their car, their workplace, because when something happens, there's not going to be enough on hand for the government to then kind of uh, take those resources and distribute. Well, and this is the thing, because when, when we're out of power here on the island, we get upset if BC Hydro doesn't have it fixed up in two hours or right. whatever it is. And uh, these were people in Puerto Rico that were without power for weeks. And some still are without power. Yes. So it's very serious. And even the storms that hit Florida and Texas, and I know there were care homes where people lost their lives because they didn't have power and they didn't have food and water on hand for very vulnerable people. Mm -hmm. And so again, this is sort of our continent and these are issues affecting people who, where we go vacation. So it's not that far away from here. So if there's a large scale event, I really think for peace of mind, the onus is on us to make sure that we have enough to take care of the people within our household. Yeah. Uh, I believe that's a responsibility. I don't believe it's the government's responsibility. Got it. Got it. So give us an example. Run us through what people should have in their home to be prepared. Mm -hmm. I mean, water's a big one. Water is the most important thing. Yeah. You've got three days without it. And people don't always realize how much you need. So the, the recommended amount is four liters of water per person per day. And that's two liters for drinking and then one liter for cooking and one liter for sanitation. Mm -hmm. So, and... 72 uh, hours. And, and by the way, that's probably living very differently than you do right now. Yeah, right? I would challenge people to, to make note of how much water they use in a day. You brush your teeth, you let the tap run, you wash your hands, how many times you flush the toilet, how much water is going through yeah. it. And you start to get an idea of how much water we need to maintain our daily life. So water is definitely most important. And I would challenge people too to think beyond 72 hours. Mm -hmm. That is not enough. 72 hours is great for your car or your office, but for your home, Two weeks is really the minimum that I would suggest for people for water, especially. Okay, so uh, so four liters per person per day. Mm -hmm. Wow, that adds up to be a lot exactly. of water. Exactly, that's a lot of water. So you have to look then and how you're going to store it. Yes. So we have something called a super tanker, which has just over a thousand liters of water. So that would be just over two months of water for a household of four. Uh -huh. And they fit through doorways. We've created them so that you can put them in your house very easily and we walk you through the setup. So something like that uh -huh. would take care of your water needs. Or if you can't do that, we have other things and you can buy containers elsewhere where you can uh, fill them up. And you want to treat the water, though, if you're going to store it. Otherwise, you've got six to eight months before you got to recycle that water. Wow. Through. You know, that's something people forget about, I think. You mm -hmm. know, you assume that water is water, right? Well, there's possibility of algae growing and oh. bacteria. And uh, that's not going to be that great when you're coming to want to drink it. So you either can use a treatment to put in the water that keeps it for five years. Mm -hmm. Or you're going to have to recycle that water out every six to eight months. Got it. Yeah, and I saw a system on the website, like a stacking, the stacking system. Oh, our water bricks. We love our water bricks. Wow. Because you can build forts with them. Okay. So, you know, who doesn't want to build forts with their uh, with their water storage? Yeah. And they're great because they fit into small spaces. They're made to stack. Not all water containers are made to stack. Water is very heavy. Yeah. It is, uh, if you have containers that aren't, and you can actually, the bottom ones could collapse and, and destroy, and then you've lost your water. So you make sure they've got grooves so they, they, they you know that they're actually meant to stack on top of each other, and they can handle the weight. But that's these water bricks are exactly that and you can people in condos they're great for that as well 
Yeah. Wow. That's that's a really important thing to think about water. Uh, now, food. Food. Yes. We all like to eat. Yeah. And we will have some things in our fridge, usually, unless it's Costco shopping day. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when you lose your power, you lose the ability to keep that food safe to eat. So you don't have a lot of time to kind of consume what you've got. And then you're into your pantry. So, again, if you have enough for two weeks and then you need to stretch that for longer, you can. 2,000 calories a day is really what you want to be aiming for. Mm-hmm. Uh, much less than that, you start to lose weight, which over a long period may not be that great. And you're in a high-stress environment as well, and you may be doing more physical exercise than what you would be doing normally. So, so then people would be thinking about um, storing canned goods. So canned goods is definitely an option if you're very good at, again, rotating through your canned goods because mm-hmm. you've got to watch the shelf life on those. Yeah. When canned goods go off, that isn't a good situation and, and can actually make you very ill yeah so we have uh we like our freeze-dried food because you have a 25 year shelf life on it wow yeah tastes good because we do eat so it have you lunch. had 25 year old food recently <laughs> yes oh, well, really? no, i haven't had any that was that old i've had some okay. a couple years old for sure well, all right and uh you don't have to worry about refrigeration just need water and something to like to boil the water yeah. in a pinch you could just use cold water wouldn't be as tasty yeah. uh but you get a nice hot meal yeah. And, and nutrients. Nutrients. And I have served it to my family and no one noticed. Oh, yeah. But now, now they know. That's right. Yeah, mom's late. What's she bringing home for dinner? Right? Uh, that to me is an emergency. Okay. Nice. Nice. Um, and some other things, too. Uh, water treatment. Uh, right. Yeah. So there's there's the kind where you put in beforehand to keep it potable for the five years. And that and then there's like aqua tabs, which you can put in after you've maybe gathered some water maybe you've got rain barrels outside or you live near a water source so you can put this in in the moment and then there's also great products called like life straw and grail i've seen those and yes. very popular especially with hiking yeah. or if you're traveling even to another country and you just want to make sure the water's not going to make you sick yeah so you can basically consume water out of a stream mm-hmm. and it gets filtered through out of right? a puddle in a parking lot wow and so the life straw is exactly that it's a straw so yeah. you suck it up and then the grail is more like a bottom it's more like a press so you scoop the water up and then you put it through the filter like a coffee press yeah so all of these neat things people can see at your store we do yeah they're all on the shelf you can come and see them in ha- in person and, and kind of pick them up and we can walk you through how to use them all yeah and i've been on the website as well too and the website address is totalprepare.ca totalprepare.ca and what's the best number to reach out it is 778-265-5331 let's hear that again 778-265-5331 yeah, you know, this is this is one of those conversations. I I got to say I very rarely see in people's homes because I look at a lot of homes every week. I very rarely see people packed and ready to go mm-hmm. uh, for emergency preparedness. I think this is a really important conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe when they're selling their house, they store it off-site, which would be not very smart, right? <laughs> right. Um, Maybe but- it's in their car. Oh. Because well, that's a good place because, you, you know, if you have, I always suggest people keep some things in their car. Yeah. Well, let's talk more about that. We're going to take a, uh, a little break here. When we come back, we'll have both you, Allison and Mike from QuakeSafe. Uh, we'll have a conversation about emergency preparedness. This is The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for joining us again. I'm Tony Joe, and you're listening to The Whole Home Show. We're here talking about emergency preparedness. We have Mike Ursel from QuakeSafe. And Allison Stewart from Total Prepare. Uh, Mike, we just were talking with Allison about making sure that your house is stocked up with uh, things like water that is necessary. Um, tell us about uh, Quake Safe, and you know, again, we t- we talked about fortifying a house so that uh, it keeps you safe. Now, we also talked about the fact that nothing is earthquake proof, right? Uh, these are things that just keep you safe for the time being. Um, 
what are things that people should really be considering uh, if they're concerned about this right now and want to give you a call for uh, getting a job done at their house? Uh, well, the uh, the things I think that, uh, that that they should be concerned about is basically, um, um, you know, having a look at, at their house, when it was built, uh, the condition of the foundation. Um, yeah, we haven't talked about yeah. that. I mean, the assumption is foundations are strong, but I have seen foundations that are cracked and and not healthy, right? We, we do come across that. It's uh, it's not that common. Uh, most foundations do extremely well in an earthquake, uh, but but we do see we do see some cases where foundation upgrades are definitely necessary before we uh, secure the home to the foundation for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you were just talking to Allison a little bit about about uh, water and preparedness. We always look for um, hot water tanks too to make sure that they're strapped and secure because hot water tanks can be a really good source of potable water in the event of emergency. Um, so we make sure that they're secure and that they're not going to likely uh, tip over or spill or break or even rupture from from gas lines and that sort of thing that come into the uh, into the hot water tank. That's a really good point. Your forty or sixty gallon hot water tank could end up being a uh, a water source for you, in in, uh, in the case of emergency. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, do either of you have any like have you had life experiences other than you getting stuck in a sub zero uh, environment, Allison? Which I'm guessing was not in Victoria here, right? No, it was not. Okay. <laughs> Um, I mean, you're in the business, so you you have you have seen or read about uh, cases where uh, these things have happened. Have you ever had firsthand uh, experience? Or? I've grown up on the West Coast, so I've been here for all the little tremors we've had, but yeah. nothing on a large scale. Yeah, and, and it's amazing too. We were talking about people coming from other places, and and how Mike is from uh, from Winnipeg. It because earthquakes scare people, mm-hmm. uh, and yet, like my wife, for instance, who is she? This is one of her fears. And yet people still choose to live here. This is another reminder about what Victoria has to offer. And there's another reason why Victoria real estate is so expensive, because people all want to come here, despite the fact that uh, there could be the big one that comes up, right? Every area has something, you know, too, right? Like if you or whether look, it's tornado yeah, exactly. or, yeah. Exactly. So that's how I look at it. Because I have friends in the other parts of Canada that are like, how can you live knowing there could be an earthquake? I'm like, well, you lost power for a week because there was an ice storm. Yeah. So every every... Every part has its own preparedness that they should be doing for some sort of an emergency. Well, that's a really good point. Uh, we were in Calgary, uh, I think it was what, two, maybe two or three years ago, and we were at a facility that we were locked inside because there was a tornado going past. And I'm from here, so I'm like, what the heck is a tornado? The Wizard of Oz, right? right. Yes. Speaking of which, the Wizard of Oz and the house flying in the air. I'm thinking of you, Mike, right? Yes. They, yeah. Apparently, they didn't have Quake Bolt. No, they, they did not. Quake no, safe. We, we could have yeah. fixed that. But then, uh, all right. Yes, all right. Um, now, let's talk more, Allison, about preparedness. We mm-hmm. talked about water. We talked about food. Mm-hmm. Uh, what other things do people need to make sure they have? Well, we actually have a checklist that people can come into the store and grab. There's eight areas of preparedness that we usually walk people through and make sure they have something in each of these areas. Some of them are overlooked and you kind of forget about, like sanitation. Uh, we know that uh, our sewer system and our pipes are not still going to be intact if there's a large-scale event. And so what are you going to do when you got to go? Mm-hmm. So we have solutions for that. There's also solutions for light and communication. Uh, how, you know, um, Cell towers, if they're still up and working, would be a great source of information with Twitter 
and texting people to let them know you're okay, having a contact out of province. But you got to make sure that okay. your phone is powered. Exactly. Yes. So we have solar and crank options for that. Mm -hmm. They also, you can pre-charge on uh, a computer ahead of time just to make sure it's already got a charge on it. And it would have uh, weather alerts and radio station because information is going to be key. When Calgary had their floods, that was one of the big things that came out of there was how to get information out to the people. Mm -hmm. uh, where do they go for this? Where do they go for that? So be having some access to information is going to be super important. So that is uh, an area as well. You need heat, you need something to cook on. So that's something that's also important. Uh, first aid, of course, everyone needs a little bit of first aid on hand. And uh, shelter. So if you're not able to stay in your house because you didn't talk to Mike and you popped off the foundation, yeah. where are you going to go? Are you tenting in the backyard? If you're a camper, you've, uh, well, you've you're been probably, ahead of people. You'll probably go to your neighbor who had quake <laughs> safe. Right. right? Hopefully, yeah. they, uh, hopefully yeah. they talk to Mike. Yes. Uh, okay, that sounds like a lot of stuff. So it can't, it can't be. Okay, I, I, it, so let's let's try to visualize this. Okay. To, to be fully equipped, how much space do I need in my house? It sounds like I need like a storage room. Well, we offer a two-week kit that is a large duffel bag and a backpack. Ah. There's a lot of stuff in there, and yeah. it's amazing what. And you need that on the run, right? That is if you need to get out. Yeah. Yes, but you can use it in your own home. There's a lot of things. So there's the shelter in place, and then there's the evacuating or the bugging out. Uh, so it's sort of looking at two different scenarios. So it's good to have things you can grab and go. But then if you're in your home, like the super tankers I was talking about earlier with the large water tanks, that's definitely for in your home. Mm -hmm. And you need uh, to have some water that you can take with you as well if you need to. So that that is as much space as you can do. And then people can expand on that as well. So I have a large tote that I have, my all the things that I need. Are we talking like a hockey bag? Not that large. Uh, not quite that large. Okay. Yeah, so you you know the mylar blankets, those fold up; they don't take up much space. Oh, of course, and tents of similar type material that fold quite small. We have cooking stoves that are like the size of like a small dinner plate. Mm -hmm. uh, those kinds of things that are quite um, economical with space, but yet will give you a lot of reward in in, t in terms of. Uh, providing comfort. And so one of the things I'm sure, because it's going through my mind right now, I'm sure other listeners would be thinking about this too. You know, you're, you're cooking, you need gas, or you need a gas source. Um, and things, are we talking about like those camping uh, gas canisters? Or That's an option as well. We have yeah. one called Stove in a Can that we love. It's literally stove in a can. It has non-combustible fuel. Oh, okay. And the, each cell will burn for an hour. Yeah. It boils water in five minutes. You put the lid back on it when you're done so you can reuse it. And when the fuel cells are gone and you still need it, you can start looking for twigs and burn that as well in there. And it's not that large. It sticks nicely in the corner and can can really do you Yeah, because there's always that concern about storing storing fuel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm mm -hmm. sorry. That's called again. I got to write that down. Stove in a can. Stove in a can. Yeah, all right. I'm going to run this. down and get myself one of our a stove in a can. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Um, and again, your shop uh, is located there right by uh, Elk Lake. Yes. So right by the Elk Lake Garden Center. Yeah. Do you find that this is a seasonal conversation? Both of you, for this matter. Do do Are there any certain times of year that people seem to be a little more concerned about this? Uh, well, for me, no. Um, it's not uh, not so much seasonal. Uh, I become very popular when there's a small shake or some <laughs> yes. kind of uh, little in the news. tremor. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't have to hear it in the news because my phone starts to ring. So oh. I become very popular uh, with these little reminders. Um, uh, but no, I don't find it seasonal. We're, we're busy all year round. Great. Actually, uh, Mike, while we're at it, and, and uh, I, I didn't ask you this off air before, I hope you don't mind me asking, but can you discuss price or a range of, of what it would cost to get this done at the house? Uh, yeah, and, and that's an issue that we face quite a bit. Because it depends on the because house. Because people, people think it's going to be very, very expensive. Okay. And, and I can tell you that 
I, the price does vary, but but in general, maybe eighty percent of the work we do, which which is very effective, falls between maybe four thousand and eight thousand dollars. Oh, okay. So so it's pretty economical when you look at the overall price of your house and what's at stake. But uh, it it can go over eight thousand and it can be under four. But eighty percent sort of falls in that range. Yeah. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. Good. And you know, what's the cost of safety, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how about you, Allison? Like, uh, if somebody is looking to, uh, to invest in a two-week mm-hmm. two-week kit or something, mm-hmm. uh, what kind of range can they look at? A- again, acknowledging the fact that the mm-hmm. range can base definitely, be based and we customize for people too because there's dietary issues and there's five people, not four people, but around five hundred dollars for a two-week kit. And then we have sort of a one-person kit starts under a hundred dollars that would do like seventy-two hours, yeah. which would be great for for someone starting. I'd rather someone start with something and have something rather than put off because it's overwhelming to have enough for one week or two week. Yeah, now so these these kits that people will have in their house, do they need any sort of um, uh, rotation or anything? Like do they need yeah, to be... Yeah, it depends what's in there. So they have, there's some water that we sell it as a five-year shelf life, so that needs to be rotated. Some calorie food bars with a five-year shelf life. And I think it's good to go through it and just make sure if you got a crank radio or something, you kind of give it a few minutes of crank just to keep it going. And then you make sure nothing's broken or missing. So either like a January New Year's resolution thing or when yeah. you change your clocks is a kind of a good sort of reminder to go through your stuff. That's a good idea. You know, I've had a conversation on this show uh, many times about uh, maintenance. Like uh, we talked about hot water tanks a little while ago, but people should really itemize maintenance items and when to check on them. Mm-hmm. I think they should add the whole um, mm-hmm. having a look at your uh, emergency preparedness kit and make sure everything is up to date, right? When you need it, you you future self will be thanking your past self. Well, and it's the same about the cost as we just talked about. I mean, Mike's talking f- uh, four to eight thousand dollars. You're talking five hundred dollars thereabouts. When that time comes, I think you're gonna be very very happy that that money was very well spent, right? Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Yeah. Wow. Now, um, again, your website, Allison. It's totalprepare.ca. Great. And the phone number. Seven seven eight two six five. Five three three one. Yeah, and uh, your website is great. I mean, I was surfing that the other day, so there's lots of great information. Um, uh, people can learn a lot mm-hmm. more. About Try to give as much information so people are making decisions based on good information and not fear. You know, I don't want people running around being afraid of what's going to happen, yeah. but a little bit of uh, planning, a little bit of thinking, a little bit of preparedness goes a long way. Yeah, and there's also that conversation, too, about family, like planning with the family in the event of, right? Like the escape route. And yes, Ta- especially if you have children, it's, uh, that's a really big deal is take away the fear factor put a little pair of shoes under the bed a little flashlight in it Ooh. and so they get up in the night if that's when it happens they got something to put on their feet protect them from broken glass a little flashlight to find where they're going yeah give them a plan wouldn't work for my daughter because she would use that flashlight all the time <laughs> and it would be out of power that's that's, that's my why girl. you need one that has crank on it oh <laughs> she would love that too yeah but good point about the shoes though mm-hmm. yeah and for adults you need a bottle of wine Okay, <laughs> later we bought a scotch over here, but <laughs> yes. Um, Mike, uh, how do people uh, reach you at QuakeSafe? Uh, yeah, they can reach me directly, uh, Mike at QuakeSafe.ca, or uh, our telephone number is 250-590-8544. And I want to remind the listeners as well, too, we, we touched on it really br- uh, briefly, doing an assessment is probably a good thing, right? Uh, I always love to do assessments. I love to talk to people. Uh, we're no-pressure sales. Um, if, if you want to give us a call, we can schedule you in. It takes 15, 20 minutes and, uh, we can have a really good conversation about, um, where your house is and what we can do to improve it. Yeah. And, um, again, that investment that people will make is an investment in, um, their confidence that in the event that a, a situation occurs here in town, that their family will be safe. 
uh, and with Total Prepare, making sure that uh, they are stocked up and they can exist for the time needed. We hope that this will never happen. You know, definitely and not in my lifetime and hopefully not in my kids' lifetime as well. But we are where we're at, and we all have to uh, be prepared uh, for this when the time comes. Right, guys? Definitely. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Allison Stewart from Total Prepare and Mike Ursel from Quake Safe had a great conversation today. Uh, To our listeners, thanks again for listening in. Uh, I'm Tony Joe. We'll be here for you guys this time next week.